And it all comes down to this. Two on, two out. Bottom of the ninth, the Farmers lead by one. Full count. Here comes the play at the plate. And it's the Agview pitch. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Agview Pitch, and we're heading into another new week, second week of February, and we've got Chris Barron and Dwayne Lowry. What's cooking today, Dwayne? Well, it's a little colder temperatures, and i got a little snow in the forecast, so that's going to be a little bit different. Um, we uh, um, just getting started on the month of February and kind of a key month when crop insurance and all the planning that goes associated with that. So... Uh, uh, quite a bit of things up in the air and anxious to see the next three weeks, I guess. Yep, it's going to be interesting. So uh, corn kind of kind of stayed steady this week, but we were kind of hoping for a little more up than what we got, and beans were maybe up on the week a little bit, uh, maybe 9 or 10 cents or something like that. But what's that kind of spell for the insurance? Um, where are we at on the five-day you know, the five days that we started on corn, start with corn first, but what, where are we at for an insurance price as of right now in the first five days? Well, in the first five days, you're just under 392 for an average and you settled Friday at, uh, um, 394 and beans are just under 919 and you settled, uh, Friday at uh, 918 and a half. So basically where the beans settled at, that is the average for the first five days. And, uh, you know, you, you got, you know, only have 19 days this month to impact that. So the next, uh, 15 days, you know, you're going to have to have, it, it, let's say the target or the hope is that you get these corn to $4 in order to get that average, you basically got to average almost 405 in the next three weeks. And, uh, that's, you know, 11 cents above where you're at now. So if, if, if you're hoping for $4 on an average, you're going to have to see some pretty notable strength, a lot more strength than we've seen recently. In fact, the, uh, the high so far in the de December through current date in Dees Corn, I think, is like 404 and three quarters. So in order to get your $4 Dees Corn for your insurance price that you had last year, if you wanted to match that, you know, you're asking the market to do some pretty fancy things to get that done. Not saying it can't happen, just saying that's that's what you're up against. You know, that's what that's the drag effect in those first first five days here that you know have been on the low side of where we, where we want it to be. Yeah, and um, one thing we were talking about offline too, Dwayne, is the you know if you compare that to last year's four dollar you know level and or you know if we were to get to four dollars now. That's, you know, we're nine or 10 cents off of there. There's 18 or 20 bucks an acre less coverage on corn. So um, while nine cents or whatever compared to last year, if we come in at three, say 391 versus $4 doesn't seem like a big deal, but it kind of is, you know, $20 an acre here and $20 an acre there is kind of a big deal. Yeah. And each year, you know, uh, it's been a difficult environment for farmers to uh, uh, try to generate a profit and, uh, not uh, chew into, you know, uh, working capital. And this past year, you know, a lot of people were dealing with less yields than they've been having the last four years. And they had, you know, significantly more expenses getting this crop into the bin or off to market in the form of drying. And uh, so uh, 
these prices don't work. And if you're going backwards a little bit, um, everybody's got a heightened sense of anxiety over that. And bankers are finding more hoops and jump through and a little higher bars to jump over. And all of a sudden that 18 to $20 difference in a crop insurance rate, um, you know, has a lot of implications towards how people are feeling and, and the mood in, in the country. And so, you know, what we need is we need some really good performance. And basically for the last uh, month or actually, no, not, not probably since November, um, probably since early November, we've probably been in for corn has probably been in, you know, a 20 cent range, 22 cent range, something like that. So we, we're just marking time. Basis is held st steady. So maybe it's firm some probably from those levels. Um, but we're just not getting, you know, to the type of price levels people really want to see with the added expenses last year and the, and the smaller yields. So it's, it's a challenging time. And, uh, you know, we, we need some Chinese business. We need, you know, a little shot in the arm here. So speaking of that, going into this next week and, and even further on, but, you know, this WASD report on Tuesday, do you expect anything there? I mean, what, what can we hope for or what, what are the threats here? You know, it seems like every time we get news, it's not good news. Um, what, what do you think? Talk about that. Well, let's start with the threat part of it. Um, you know, we've been surprised by USDA reports before, and uh, I would say the, the trade is not expecting anything significant for deviation from the last report. I mean, their corn carryout is going to be expected on average to be down about 50 million bushels. Bean estimates may be down 25 million, something like that, and wheat just uh, marginally lower on carryout. These are not big changes. And I would say what I just described for expectations going in this report is based on um, no notable changes to the Watsi report uh, from the U.S.-China trade deal being signed. And I think that a lot of people still have doubts about that uh, trade deal being honored anyway. And I think there's a lot of um, uncertainty with how USDA is going to handle it. And I make that comment, but USDA did release uh, basically a, a, a white paper describing what they were going to do but I read that, and, and uh, it's very evasive, and I'm not sure I know any more now than I did before I read it. You know, they, they say they're going to use things like, you know, they'll factor in trade and, and policies in, that are in effect and publicly available information, you know, and, and, and things of this nature. Well, we know they signed it. So that's public information. We know that Chinese leaders said they're going to buy it. We know that U.S. trade representatives said there are specific figures um, that of each commodity in terms of quantity that's part of that deal, but those numbers are not public. So um, they're, we know they're not public, but in all honesty, if you're a, in the job of forecasting and, and trying to look ahead to what demand is going to be, I don't understand how they can have a signed um, agreement and with all the fanfare and the, all the expectations and then say, well, we're not doing anything with it until we get an actual pr first purchase. Um, 
So I don't know how they're going to look at it. I'm, I'm tired of trying to outguess USDA. I don't know how they're going to do it. I read their paper. I thought it was very confusing and uh, not clear and left them a lot of flexibility. But it would seem to me that logic of the agreement, logic of their own uh, white paper describing what they would take into consideration, um, I'm inclined to think that they're going to show some level of uh, optimism toward these exports. They won't identify it as China, but they can still adjust those demand projections upward based on what is public available. That, that would be my opinion. That's my logic. You know, I don't necessarily have confidence that my logic will mirror what USDA says on Tuesday, but it, after reading their own papers, I'm inclined to think they're more likely to uh, have an improving demand base than a declining one. And with that in mind, going back to your question, you know, where are we vulnerable? Where's the surprises or the implication that there'd be some negative? I just can't believe there'll be anything. First of all, most people are expecting little changes. And to the extent there will be changes, I think that those changes will be improving demand. So um, I would say the surprise potential here would be that um, USDA lowered carryout uh, more than what people are expecting. And I think that um, they could they could do that, get a somewhat of a bullish reaction. I'm not talking about a big reaction. Um, and that would seem reasonable and it wouldn't have to necessarily identify any of that particular as being China. And part of the reason the reaction would be bullish wasn't necessarily the raw data itself. It's the fact that this trade sentiment is just you know, can't quite imagine and have no has zero faith that USDA will give us anything bullish. Now, whether that assessment is justified or not, I'll let everybody decide that on, on their own. I'm just saying that is the sentiment going into it. So I'd be very surprised if there was anything in here that seemed to um, cast a negative light on on these projections. And for those that are worried about you know, new crop acres, uh, we're not going to get anything from USDA projecting supply and demand on the WADSI until the May report. So that's a ways away. And before that, we'll, we'll have acreage and anxieties and all that junk to, steal, to deal with. But um, I would imagine there'll be a, a slightly supportive undertone out of Tuesday's USDA report. That would be my expectation. Probably not enough to average the five or the 405 or whatever to get us back to the $4 corn probably, huh? Well, I mean, I think it's important when you ask a question like that to go back to the perspective that the corn market's been in a 23 cent range since the 5th of November. So what is that? Dece, Jan, Feb, you're talking three months in a 23 cent range. And during that time, the commitment of traders report last week, the funds, um, uh, they're short about 56,000 contracts of corn in Friday afternoon's report release. That was up 26,000 from the previous week. So to put it in another perspective, they increased their short position by 50%. And this kind of pressing on, on the downside, on the bear side in a 23 cent range um, seems like a very vulnerable position. And so if the market did have a reason to generate a, a little bit of upside momentum, 
I got a feeling we're not stopping at the highs that we've had since January, November 5th. And if, if that's correct, then you have all these shorts that are going to be looking for the exit door. So that the opportunity in terms of the profile of the market and the setup of the market, it is primed, you know, very, very well to get upside energy and maybe more upside energy than the news itself might reflect because we'd have people chasing out of short. So I, I think that uh, the opportunities are, are maybe a lot better than what the, you know, somewhat passive discouraged sentiment uh, reflects. That, that's my opinion. And the other thing that I want to point out, it's probably a good time to do it right now. This past week was a strange week. We had uh, the bean market experience, you know, a, a 90 cent flush or whatever it was. The corn market maintained in a range. They were looking relatively decent. And then the market comes in this week and we have um, a, a day or two where we look very vulnerable. And it looks like the chart's going to break down. And that's about the time all these shorts are being put on by the, the large specs. And then by the time Friday rolls around, we've, we've traded nine cents off of this week's low. And to put again, to put that in perspective, that means about 45% of the range you've had in three months was just eclipsed in about two days. And um, this, the other thing that to point out in that is uh, the day that we looked the, the most vulnerable, which was probably Thursday morning, the market traded like four and three quarters cents down. That was the low of the week, but four and three quarters cents lower on the day on Thursday. The spreads were losing about a penny and a half to two cents with old crop versus dece. By the end of the day, the uh, market had uh, settled down, you know, a small amount, like a penny and a half, something like that. Not that big a rally. But the spreads had reversed by three, three and a half cents from early that morning to the settlement. And then that was followed by us, you know, a pretty solid performance here on Friday. So when I look at that and I see the spreads moving like that, that to me is very significant. We were extremely vulnerable to get in some sort of a mini flush in the corn market at midweek. And uh, the market managed to reverse that. And because of the spread movement, and because of Friday's actions, I feel like they, they reversed that with a decent amount of authority. And so I think these all these shorts that were added, which would have been, you know, as of Tuesday, um, I think that they might be in a little bit of trouble here if we get just a few cents higher. So if we can find any reason to get a little bit of a boost, I think that we can generate some follow through on that. So. Um, that's my level of optimism there. And like I said before, I don't think USDA is going to deliver us anything bearish. I think the most bearish thing they could do was basically leave the data largely unchanged and not reflect anything. If they did that, the marketplace probably wouldn't be all that excited about the bear side because they would say that they just haven't factored in anything with the China deal. And for most people, that would be what they're expecting. So I don't think the market would get much of a downside reaction here. The reaction, if we're going to get one, is going to be on the upside because the, uh, the the trade is so heavily short and sentiment is so negative and nobody wants to buy in front of this report. And so if we do get a post-report positive reaction, there just seems like there'd be a lot of pent-up buying that could suddenly come to the forefront. 
I'm just wondering also taking the other side of it too, if we, you know, and, and you know better than me, so I'll ask the question first, what's the resistance level to the upside? And then at what point, you know, cause there's a lot of growers out there that are sitting on inventory and we need to get some cash into the operations. A lot of them here, you know, going into March just because of uh, cash rents coming due and everything. Do you think that, being met with some farmer selling would limit the upside at a certain point or what do you think there um i'll get back to that answer um i'm going to start to answer what how you worded that question early on saying where's the resist <laughs> resistance and okay. the resistance and i'm going to start with the dece contract because it's the easiest one to explain the december corn contract basically since the first few days of november the highest it's been is 404 and three quarters. And that was at the last few days of December. And I think they matched again in some of the early days of, of Jan January uh, or mid-January. And so at 394, where Dees Corn settled at now, that's 10 and three quarters cents away. Okay, that's nothing. But yet the range for the last three months in, in the Dees contract has basically been 15 to 18 cents. That's it. That's all it's moved. So for three months, basically since harvest, the market has sat here and farmers have sold. These are natural things that happen. They need money. They've sold because they are concerned about the condition. There's reports of a lot of places dealing with corn that's easily going out of condition. So that's part of the reason we moved stuff. And there's a discouragement factor here that the market's just not going up and they're looking forward to spring being not that far away. And they're looking at a gap between now and when the spring um, does arrive that they might have some roads embargo. They won't be able to haul it anyway. And then their elevators are, are offering some free DP. There's some the basis is good. So there is corn moving here. And if you've got a, a relatively small rally, I'm sure that the uh, selling would be there in the case of the D's. Like I said, that's only 10 cents you know, above where, where we're at. If you go and do the a similar type exercise in the March contract, it peaked at 394, and that was not that long ago. That was only the 23rd of January. But again, since the first few days in November, uh, we spent the vast majority of time in about a 12 cent trading range, and then you know minor pokes outside of that. And in order to get above that January 23rd high, um, you've got to go up about 10 cents. So getting to answer the first part of your question, the resistance level is 10 cents. The next part of your question, talking about farmers' movement and where will they sell or what, what they should do, um, I am sure that uh, there are a lot of farmers that would be um, very tempted to make sales on a 10-cent rally with basis where they're at and the fact that they, that would be the best cash price they've basically seen since the early days of, of November. And I think there is a level of frustration that they might want to get it sold. I think there's a level of fear that prices could get worse like, because they're looking at expanded 2020 uh, acreage. And uh, let's face it, uh, you're far enough past harvest that, you know, people need money. It's just a natural thing. And uh, so I think there will be selling um, starting, you know, 10 higher. And I think there probably be kind of layers of producers willing to make those sales. And uh, from a chart resistance point, 
I, ex I expect us to take out these levels of resistance that's 10 cents higher. I think the place we're really going to go is probably closer to 25 or 30 cents above where we're at. And in the current environment, that sounds like crazy talk. And, um, but, and I accept that. But if the uh, market is able to clear these highs and resistance 10 cents higher, um, I think because the trade is so short and the large specs are short and the sentiment so negative, I think that, that uh, we, we could be able to continue to push higher even if we had farmer selling. I don't think farmer selling would necessarily stop this market if we we're able to you know, start to get that upside momentum. So um, the, the, the first levels of resistance, 10 higher, I think the place that the market really wants to go to from a technical perspective is more like 25, 30 cents higher. So that was my answer to your question. Gotcha. Well, you know, I think uh, I just think that this old crop stuff that we're setting on guys are gonna gonna need to be watching that close, just from the standpoint of managing managing the uh, the cash flow and all that kind of stuff. Anything else going into the new week that I haven't asked about or that we need to discuss? Um, with the risk of a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't think of. I don't think that uh, I can't think of anything that's um, on the horizon that, you know, we haven't talked about or, you know, some threatening thing ahead of us that we, we can't think of. Um, I would say that uh, the cash corn markets have a firm tone yet, especially in the east. I would say that the futures market is acting a lot better than what the narrow range of price movement might suggest. And I make that comment based on the the spreads and what they've basically been doing since about the 16th of January. And uh, I would point to the beans and the biggest comment I'd say about that is from a historical perspective, they are very, very cheap uh, with multiple ways of trying to measure that. And uh, I'm, I'm finding it hard to look on the horizon and know what that fundamental narrative is. It's going to give us better prices other than this, you know, uh, difficult to uh, define uh, potential that China will will com come in for phase one. I personally think this phase one is a huge deal. I expect them to honor it. And I think it has the potential of, of jumpstarting uh, global demand to uh, a, a kind of a new level of late. So I'm, I'm a little more optimistic about that, but I can't point to anything specifically. But I'm in, uh, I happen to be encouraged by what I think the technical outlook is, and I can't give you the fundamental storyline, but I'm looking for prices to, you know, have that type of a rally in corn. And uh, the, the highs that we made in January on the beans, you know, which are now, you know, 60, some 70 cents away, whatever it is, I think those highs are going out, but that's a technical opinion, and I don't really have that fundamental storyline to back that up. But at any given time, you can always reach into that China drawer if, if they start to do some business. And uh, the last thing I would say about the China thing, with the price flush that we've had in beans, the corn having been at the bottom side of its trading range, the uh, uh, gl global freight rates uh, being reduced to China because of the coronavirus and, and uh, decline in activity, um, I don't know what China could be looking for, asking for, or dreaming about that would be a better buying opportunity than what they're getting uh, right now. And uh, they're getting 
lower cost on, on both raw price and they're getting lower cost on the freight. Um, and I, again, I point to these corn spreads. I just wonder if that this isn't the precursor to some business taking place. So I'm certainly more optimistic here than, than uh, you know, a stagnating market it would imply I should be. Well, that's good to hear because it's not very difficult to listen to a whole bunch of other people talk on the other side of it. So I appreciate that perspective personally. So, so any, any, um, I think that's probably about everything. I think next week we want to spend a little bit of time on new crop. I think we'll, um, kind of hold off on that and talk a little bit on acres 2020 and kind of see what this price discovery does. Um, you know, as we go through another week. So I think that's really all I had, Dwayne. If you got everything covered, I think we're good to go. Sounds good. I look forward to uh, talking again next week. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of anxious to see if we can't get a little uh, friendly market action surprises here. So I'm hopeful, hopeful we'll have something good to talk about over the next couple of weeks. That would be great. We hope so. So, well, thanks everybody. Uh, for listening, and we will catch you again next time on the AgView Pitch. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the AgView Pitch. As always, you can reach out to us at cbaron at agviewsolutions.com or dwayne l at netends.net. We'll catch you next time on the AgView Pitch. <laughs>